This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. Hello everyone, this is Michael, known as Chicago Wiz, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Handbook. When you enter the room, there are two exits, one on the door opposite you, one on the door to your right as the room is square and small. A severed hand lies in front of the right door. When you enter the room, the ceiling, the walls, and the floor appear to be some sort of a black glass, or is it liquid? It's hard to tell. There are no exits to this room, but there is a pedestal of some sort, oddly enough, on the ceiling. When you enter the room, there's a haphazard arrangement of shelves that appear to be rusted, corroded, yet still have items on them. The shelves are leaning up against each other in a rather precarious manner, almost like dominoes. When you enter the room, your breath puffs out in front of you. It's cold, very cold. And there's a strange smell in the air of chlorine. Or is it sulfur? It's hard to tell. When you open the door to the room, there's a door to your left. The room is roughly triangular, and there's a door on each of the other legs of the triangle in the center of the walls. There's a strange pattern inscribed on the floor, and the more you look at it, a very bad migraine develops. Now, I've spent the last two minutes or so describing empty rooms. And nothing gameable, or is it? No monsters, no treasure, but yet things that I'm sure many of you who are listening to this podcast are very familiar with. Things to leave clues, foreshadowing, dressing, what have you. Something to make the empty rooms not so empty because in at least the Dungeons and Dragons I play empty room doesn't mean truly empty devoid empty just means there's nothing there about to jump on you and eat your face off nothing to be found or is it nothing that necessarily is going to advance any sort of agenda or indicate any sort of major happening But empty rooms are what I call the negative space of dungeons. And I think it's an art that may have been lost as we've gone into the more modern era of dungeon building with five-room dungeons, seven-room dungeons. Dungeons have to have a pattern and a flow to them. Of course, my dungeons look at those dungeons and go, here, come on over for a while. Let, let, let me let me show you some things. <laughs> um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is in watching, 
I mean, a veritable flood of creativity coming out over social media uh, for uh, Dungeon 20 Hex, sorry, Dungeon 23, Hex 23, City 23, Crawl 23, whatever 23. It's just so much creativity and it is so cool to see. But there's a lot of people stressing out about the concept of empty rooms. What do I do here? What do I put? You know, how, how do I advance the plot? Um, you know, what, what what can I do? Is there a generator? And oh my yes, there are so many generators for putting in rooms. But I wanted to take a moment and just kind of talk a little bit about how empty rooms came about and why I think it was lost. And some of this is been through reading and, and yakking with others, and some of this is my own philosophy. Um, no one major thing to promote here, so the show notes may be rather sparse, but I hope to leave you with some nuggets of thought. So, if you look at the early dungeons, both the dungeons that were set up as examples in the various books, uh, dungeons that were released in modules, and the random j- dungeon generators, you find that roughly, and I'm going to, you know, murder the math, but roughly a quarter to a third of the areas in a dungeon had something in them that was considered a monster or a treasure. And then some small percentages of of the remainder rooms were traps, tricks, stairs, um, or something else that the dungeon master, uh, uh, you know, got to put in. And all of the books say, hey, you know, if there's things you want to put into the dungeon, go ahead and do that first, or do it where it's more most logical or makes the most sense to you. And then with everything else, fill it in. And that's where a lot of the random tables came around. Um, And you really see this kind of idea in some of the early modules. Um, You know, uh, B1 in Search of the Unknown is is a famous one for that. You know, there was only, and I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to gather it was maybe, you know, a third to a half of the spaces in that dungeon were filled in. The rest was just a key with instructions in the module for, hey, Dungeon Master, go fill these in yourself. Now, the whole idea of a dungeon being kind of like a, you know, a a vast thing in and of itself to be explored was how David Arneson, Gary Gygax, and the, the early folks that were creating these things first approached things. And, you know, you think about literature that these folks were reading, you know, it wasn't a five-room dungeon. You know, they would describe vast catacombs and labyrinths and mazes and, you know, vast areas that the heroes and heroines had to, you know, go through. And that makes for great story reading. And I'm sure it left nuggets into... You know, these authors' heads of, hey, this is the way a dungeon needs to look. This is the way a labyrinth needs to operate. You know, there's a lot of space in there. 
Plus, again, these were war gamers. They had a table. Well, you know, that table is fun to fill up with terrain, but not every inch is going to have a tree or a hill or a road in it. There are negative spaces, spaces for armies to maneuver, spaces for artillery to be set up, spaces for things to happen or places to go where you, know, you could launch missiles from. A dungeon was going to be no different. You know, if, if a dungeon is supporting some sort of faction or factions and the players are the invaders, well, you're going to want to have places where the dungeon inhabitants can set up uh, ambushes, can set up traps, can set up places where they want to pull the invaders into and you know murder them and take their stuff. Um, you're probably not going to want to do that in your kitchen or your barracks or your throne room. No, you're going to want to pull the battle somewhere else. So that way, if heaven forbid that you do lose the battle, the invaders aren't going to necessarily find your belongings or your mates and children and whatnot. So, you know, thinking as a war gamer... I can understand why negative space and empty rooms was kind of a natural thing. Plus, an empty room provides opportunities to do interesting things without necessarily having to put a lot of thought into it. You know, I came up as my intro with those ideas right off the top of my head in two minutes, and that was what, five, six, seven rooms? Um... Once you get comfortable with the idea of whatever comes to mind, just drop it there, it'll come naturally. And like anything else, it's a muscle, you know, memory muscle, a mental muscle, and you've got to exercise it and do it. Um, and there are a lot of generators, and even the, the you know, Advanced Dungeon Dragons Dungeon Master Guide has charts in there of what to put into empty rooms that you might be generating when you're creating your dungeon. And they're very useful. There's things like odors and airs and breezes and, you know, personal belongings and, and other things. And, you know, these are all wonderful things to drop to let the dungeon come alive. You know, it may not further your dungeon's theme to have a pocket knife in a bunch of garbage that's around a bed, but that kind of tells a story. Something lived here. <laughs> Something treated this at home and either was using a pocket knife here, dropped a pocket knife here. Who made the pocket knife? Where did it come from? Is this creature still alive? Maybe looking for their lost pocket knife. I mean, these are all things that I, as a dungeon master, can now work with and use if the players are interested. And you know what? Let's be honest. 90% of the stuff that we come up with, at least when you're talking about a huge kind of area, whether it's a city or a dungeon or whatnot, probably does not get used. Okay, maybe that's a little little much. Maybe 75%, 50%. It, it might depend on the type of players you have. Um, there are still areas in my dungeons from 13 years ago players have never touched. 
and they might not ever. And that's okay, you know. To me, it was just as much fun creating these things and putting them there as it was to see if the players are going to get to it. Now, I can see for how some people, maybe novices uh, or maybe people that, you know, just want the players to find everything, this might drive them nuts. I got to admit, sometimes it drives me nuts. I'm a completionist. If it's a list in front of me, I want all items to be accounted for. And I've had to learn to be comfortable with the fact that, hey, players aren't going to run into stuff. It's okay. In a way, it's as much a love letter to my own imagination as it is an opportunity for the players to find this stuff and do something with it. And that's kind of freeing. You know, the players may never run into these things, but it's there. So it's like this untapped possibility. And shush, players, close your ears. Dungeon Masters, you can reuse those in other dungeons. It's great when you're really stuck and you're like, I have no idea what the hell to put here. Go look at your previous dungeons. Oh, yeah, they never saw this. They're never returning to this dungeon. We'll just take this and put this over here. You're not breaking any rules. The Dungeon Master police are not going to come knocking at your door and arrest you for reuse. Uh, It's okay. Just trust me. As a war gamer, I do not create brand new terrain for each and every battle that I put on. I am very happy to reuse the same castle that was the evil magician's tower in this battle to reuse it as Rapunzel's tower in the next battle. Absolutely no problem with it. In fact, it's kind of expected because it brings back good memories. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Maybe the same for a dungeon. Anyway, back to empty space. So I can see where in as, as people have grown more used to uh, computer role-playing games and have grown used to kind of the Skyrim, Elder Scrolls, um, Fallout, uh, you know, what have you kind of uh, Diablo kind of approaches that they would expect that every room has to do something. Actually, you know, Diablo's interesting because I distinctly remember Diablo 1 having empty spaces. I'd have to look into that more, but I seem to remember, you know, at least my, as memory serves, I'd be going through the dungeons looking for a potion or a sword or something and there were many spaces and areas that were empty but if I ran into a mob of demons I could maybe pull them into that space and use the terrain to my advantage well there you go that's a great use for empty space and I have a feeling that if you did leave some empty spaces in your dungeons, your players are going to put those to good use, especially if it's an area that can be tactically used. Something to think about if you're the kind that likes to design dungeons and set them up. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's hard to make... 65 room levels Um, and that's the number of rooms that's in my level 1 for my dungeon 23 uh, dungeon it's not easy to do that, it's not easy to necessarily key them up and I get we're in this day and age 
that might be considered a luxury. But if you are doing Dungeon 23, or you are sitting down with a new dungeon and you have some time, it might be worth looking into. You know, just as artwork supports the concept of a negative space being useful to kind of organize and group things together and to make boundaries and to emphasize certain points of view that the artist wants you to look at, um, or, you know, negative space is useful in the layout of books. I think negative spaces are also useful for creating a dungeon. Um, you know, a, a negative space doesn't necessarily mean this is a waste of space, nor does it mean you have to necessarily put a lot of thought into it. Most of my empty rooms have maybe two, three words, <coughs> excuse me, maybe more, rarely over a sentence, unless it's something that maybe has caught my imagination and I want to run with it for a while. Um... But it's an opportunity for you to do something in your dungeon. And as I mentioned before, you can use empty spaces to provide clues. You know, that very first um, example of the severed hand laying in front of the door. Well, maybe behind that door is a trap. And the moment that someone opens that door, a slicing blade is going to come down. And whoops, that's the remnants of the previous party that came through the dungeon. Or maybe there's a creature in there and they've left the hand out there as some sort of a warning. Or maybe that hand belongs to some sort of an undead creature that's further on in the dungeon. Or maybe it's just a hand. But you've given the players something to think about, and there's possibly some clue or foreshadowing to what they're going to run into later on. That kind of stuff can make a dungeon come alive, rather than you open a door and there's ten arcs. You open the door and there's a treasure box. You open the door and there's a pedestal with a glowing globe on top. All those are great, but if that's all the players run into it can kind of start to blur together. I guarantee you, they're going to remember the room with the empty, with just the empty severed hand. That stands out. And it may not mean a damn thing, but the other secret to dungeon mastering is it's not all about you. It should some be about you. I'm thoroughly of the opinion that the dungeon master is a participant and a player and needs to be entertained and enjoy the game just as much as the players do. Um, you know, the idea of putting a clue there that maybe is a red herring is fun for me, um, but it also makes it fun for the players because now they get to talk about the severed hand and what does it mean and where does it go and so on. And I think that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> it can be funny to see the directions that the players go off into, and that's the other amusing part as a dungeon master, or for a dungeon master, at least for me. Seeing where the player's imagination goes, because sometimes, I'll tell you what, I'm writing those damn ideas down for later use. <laughs> anyway, that's my kind of uh, stream of consciousness uh, rambling on about empty spaces and what to do with them. What do you think? 
how do you use empty spaces? Uh, are you like me? Or do empty spaces maybe not your thing and you've never thought about it and maybe you'll give it a try? Let me know. Love to hear from you in a comment or a call in or what have you. And until next time, have fun and game on.